The Fly Fishing 97 podcast is powered by theflycrate.com, an online fly shop. Join the Quarterly Fly Club today, your source for all things fly fishing. And wait for it films. For action-packed fly fishing videos and camera-related content, check out Wait For It Films on YouTube or at www.theweightcreativeco.com. And Broken Tippet Fly Company. Blog and fishing apparel and accessories. Check them out online at brokentippet.com. You, you, you are listening. You are listening. You are listening to the Fly Fishing ninety seven podcast. Yeah, well, take a sip of beer, man. Um, so <laughs> I, I just <laughs> full did. I just did. I was gonna say full disclosure. I'm I'm drinking a beer. Yeah, me too. Um, so uh, I took a hiatus from fly fishing for quite a while for probably 10 probably like eight years i would say eight or ten years i didn't even pick a fly rod and it what drove me to that was i just got to a point where i just couldn't deal with the end i couldn't deal with the people and i couldn't deal with the fake and i couldn't deal like the people we were guiding um they didn't have any respect for the ecology um and it, it bothered me to a point where I just, I couldn't do it anymore. I said, I'm done. I'm done. I'll just spin fish and catch some fish to eat. And that's it. Like, I'm done. I don't, you know, I'm done. And, um, and then I kind of realized that there was a piece, you know, I was still on the water, but I wasn't on our, on the rivers that much, you know? Um, and then I got to a point where I could tell like something was missing. And, uh, so for me, it's, uh, I had to get back. I needed to get back out there. And I realized that, uh, it does bring me a lot of sanity. Mm. Um, and there's a lot of people that say that and, you know, everybody's got their own story in their own way. But, um, I mean, quite frankly, it, it, oh, it, it's, it's the only thing that brings me therapy. Um, there's an interesting term called, um, and I just, I can't remember it. Somebody, it's a professor, I think from, um, the UK, but it's called, uh, cosmic insignificance therapy. <laughs> and okay. that's what I call it. Right. Like, yeah, I know the fact mean. is, right. Like the fact is, is everybody's too focused on like the, that remote chunk that nobody can get to, or those fish haven't seen these people or these, you know, like hmm. it, you lose the fact that like, when you leave there, like that little piece of riffle water is going to make that same noise at two o'clock in the morning when you're deep in your own thoughts laying in the bed. Like that little, that, that little riffle is going to make that same noise, right? And that's the thing to me that helps me just remove myself from this world. Uh, like it truthfully doesn't matter. Like nothing stops nothing stops nothing pauses like that river will still flow mm. and that that lapping that sound like it's mm. there whether you're there whether i'm here or i'm <laughs> dead and gone it don't matter right it's there yeah and that that to me gives me uh puts me kind of back in a place that's that you know it makes me a healthier person 
both mentally and physically. The Fly Fishing 97 podcast is brought to you by the Fly Crate. The Fly Crate is an online fly shop where you can save more on flies and gear. Shop between hundreds of unique flies and join the quarterly fly club for hand-picked fly assortments for each season. Exclusively for our podcast listeners, you can save an additional 10% on the Fly Crate by using the code FLYFISH97. Go to theflycrate.com and use the code FLYFISH97 at checkout to save 10%. Welcome to this edition of the Fly Fishing 97 podcast. Very happy you are joining us this time around. And we've got something real special for you. Uh, on this podcast, we, we look to tell people stories. And my theory on this is that you don't have to be famous to have an amazing story. We all have them, and I just love digging deep, and, and, and anytime you can find fly fishing as part of that story, that's kind of what I gravitate to. And Well, I think you'll enjoy our guest today. We've got Jeff Vukulich on the line out of Duluth, uh, Minnesota. Uh, he's got damn goods and gear. He's making landing nets. He's uh, Well, we'll get into what he's making. He's a passionate fly fisher. IF4 uh, fly fishing film tour uh, was bigotry to brook trout. And uh, check it out. Pretty inspiring stuff. Jeff, thanks so much for coming on the show today, man. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you, man. Just uh, very, very honored and humbled to be here. Let's start from the beginning. I, I know it's uh, probably a lot of water to cover, but um, how did you find fly fishing? Where did it first kind of show up in your in your life path, if you will? Um, so we were, uh, growing up in the Arrowhead here, uh, Northeastern Minnesota. Um, my dad, my dad was a big outdoorsman and, um, we, uh, surprisingly, uh, I learned it from my mother. Uh, there's a lot of stories of people learning it from their fathers and whatnot, but, um, my mother, uh, had a, uh, multiple sclerosis. So she had started to lose, um, uh, some of the use of her legs and, um, she had wanted to craft so she had picked up flies uh tying flies hmm. uh so uh she she started uh tying uh all kinds of flies and she would uh give them to me and we would go to our cabin um and basically just you know it's like everybody's story catching bluegills and panfish and and bass and stuff um so that was that was kind of my uh introduction uh was through my mother and um my old man, uh, you know, and, and, and he was a big fly fisherman too. Uh, up here we have uh, landlocked rainbows, uh, steelhead, whatever you want to call them, Great Lakes mm-hmm. steelhead. Yeah. Um, so w- we fished those around uh, in the in the spring and fall. Um, and then at that time too, uh, the lake still had uh, big returns of Atlantics and, and cohos. Um, so we fished those big runs, uh, you know, back in the 80s. Um, you know, for, to be quite real for food. Um, and then, um, his, you know, the passion was brook trout. So we'd go to all these little, all the tributaries of the North shore, uh, Lake Superior, um, and pretty much every one of them's got brook trout in it. And, uh, so we'd just take off through the woods of the compass and, um, <laughs> pop out on a river somewhere. And, uh, and that's how we got it started. And, and I, it's funny, uh, I still have my, uh, my mother's, fly rod that she uh first had it's an old phil star uh <laughs> and i've i've uh i've rebuilt it a couple times uh and i i fish with it quite regularly for 
or the old graphite or excuse me, the old glass, uh, it, it's a good rod. So cool. that was kind of my, that was kind of my, uh, introduction to the sport, if you will. So, um, so if you look back, back Jeff, then, and you go, okay, so I'm sure people have influenced you along the way, or maybe you're a lot of your stuff is self-taught. I don't know, but, um, who would you cite as kind of influences uh, on this fly fishing journey? Like if, have you been influenced by other guides or, um, you know, maybe, uh, it doesn't necessarily have to be somebody, you know, you know, it could be just somebody you learn from, read a book about. It's kind of, it's a great question. And, and to be honest, I, I, I'm a very self-taught guy. Um, I, I've, you know, prefacing some of my, uh, I have four stuff. I I've, I've had some pretty, pretty, uh, big difficulties in my life. And one of them has been, um, reading. I, I, I don't, I don't read very well. I kind of was undiagnosed, uh, ADHD and, uh, dyslexia and I can't, I can't read a lot and it sounds really dumb. I mean, I can read the words, but they don't comprehend. Um, so every time I was ever handed a book, um, you know, from, uh, John Grash to, to, you know, any of the other storied, storied books out there, I, I could never get through it. Hmm. So for me, it was, um, for me, it was a lot of, uh, either visual so we when we would go up to shore uh you know if we were fishing below the boundaries um for the migratory fish i would watch those guys spay cast or um i would just kind of watch them and and that's how i learned it and then a lot of it it sounds really lame but a lot of it was just tv uh or you know at the time or for magazines you know i could look at the pictures in magazines um and that's how i kind of learned it and then you know i'm a very um mechanical minded so i could figure out the mechanics of how how the casts work mm-hmm. um and then i would just spend um copious amounts of time just staring at the water just watching bait fish um you know full disclosure i'm a heavy streamer guy um and that and i know that comes with <laughs> a bunch of stigma but no, you know man, it, not here it, for every <laughs> good deal brother uh so for everything up here, uh, it's very alder choked, you know, and that's what allows these streams to be so fruitful mm. and to get uh, the quality of fish that there are. Is they're they're quite inaccessible, to be honest. Um, so, um, my big thing was mending, um, and I learned how to mend from uh, just a couple local guys that we would go up uh, towards the border. If, you know, I you can fish three, four miles of river up here, not, and not cast. Um, it, it's that tight. You wow. have to learn how to mend. You have to mend upstream. You have to work your, you have to work your fly upstream, uh, mending. Hmm. And, um, I've got a good friend, uh, that, li- that that's down in the, the metro area of Minnesota, kind of by the driftless region of Wisconsin and Iowa and Southeastern Minnesota. And, um, he's a very accomplished dry fly fisherman. And, uh, I remember, you know, eight, 10 years ago, we, we went out for the first time we hadn't seen each other in a long time. And I was just like a duck out of water. Uh, I mean, I, I was all over the place to the line. It's a five X and six X. And so I, I didn't know what the hell I was doing, man. And, uh, and I'd always laugh, like, I don't need to be, I don't need to be cautious up here. It's dark water. It's tan and water. They're right. not spooky. Cause it's not death from above. Yeah. Uh, it's just, it's so different. So I would like, you know, to answer your question, I know I kind of wandered there, but to answer your question, 
I still don't consider myself a, a great fly fisherman, like a cat. Like I can mend like a big dog. <laughs> like if we're having a mend, if there's a mending contest out there, like I'm your guy, man. Uh, but if you're trying to drop a dry five 30 yards, I mean, you might as well, I'll just drink a beer on the bank and I'll just watch <laughs> you guys. It's just as fun. As one of the reasons I couldn't wait to talk to you is your candor. Like I, it's rare. I've interviewed a lot of people on this show and I, just reading some of your clips, I'm like, man, this guy knows who he is, knows where he comes from. And there's no, uh, there's not a lot of BS going on here. I love it. Well, you know, and it's, I appreciate that, man. I, uh, I I thank you, and I I can say that a lot of times, you know, the the what I've listened to you on your stuff too, it, it kind of echoes that same sentiment. Um, that's also why they call me the anti fly fisherman. Like I I don't get along with a lot of the guys in the area. I don't get a lot around along with a lot of the guides. I don't get along with uh, the TU people. Uh, and the reason I don't is because I don't buy into the bravado, and I don't buy into the BS. And I don't buy into the community issue, right? And it's a very polarizing topic, yeah. and it it really stings with a lot of people. But I always ask them, like, what are we? What are you buying into? Are you buying into the fact that you need to have an expensive rod? Are you buying into the fact that it's an exclusive thing to go do this? That all of the adventures are, you know, ten thousand dollars, five thousand dollars for a week it's unattainable for most. Right. Yeah. yeah. And that's the, that's the stuff I don't buy into. Right. And and the problem is, is that's what air quotes gets you into the industry. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it's also the reason why our business is what our business is. Um, <laughs> I went to, uh, when we finally hung the sign, I went to, uh, um, the local through, uh, the university here was a business class and, um, they would, you know, they would kind of dissect what you're doing and tell you how you can improve and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I remember I walked in and I had my stuff and the guy reads it and he asked me a couple of questions and he says, um, is this your business then? This is your business model? I said, yeah. He says, well, this is a terrible idea. <laughs> I, said, <laughs> I said, well, that's great, man, because I'm going to go with it. Like, I don't, you know. <laughs> I don't care. I really don't. You know, everybody's version of success is different, right? And and unfortunately, that 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 the, the industry is that's predicated by the industry, right? Like, to to be somebody, you have to have ten thousand likes. You have to have ten thousand. You have to have a hundred thousand people following you. You got to have. You know. You got. No. 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 Yeah. That that's not my that's not my sense of accomplishment, yeah. right? My sense of accomplishment is is what I did today, right? It's funny I though. Stumbled that... around and caught one eight. Go ahead. No, I was going to say it's funny because that that's to me is I almost have more respect now for people that aren't even on social media because there's a lot of gurus, a lot of people in this space that don't 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 take the time to do social media. There's a lot that do and most do, but those that don't are usually the ones I find I want to yeah. talk to because they've got, you know, like you don't want to be sitting on Facebook or on Instagram when you can be on the river, right? Yeah. Well, and, and, you know, the funny, so it's that, it's that, you know, it's that really interesting, uh, dynamic and, and myself, I, anytime I talk about it, I, um, I have a huge, and it's actually hopefully what one of our next films are going to be is it's balance versus harmony. Right. And, and that's how I run my life. And I, I don't believe in balance, uh, because mm-hmm. a lot of times balance is removing a portion of the right or left to balance out the other side that's balancing right it's 
Yeah. You, you put more weight on one or less weight on the other. Myself, I just, I like to, I like to live in harmony and harmony is best related to like a choir. Like in a choir, you're not going to ask a, a baritone or a soprano to not sing or to sing less. They're going to sing mm. at their, at their full capacity, but maybe at a different tone or a different level. Right. Yeah. Um, that, that's how I like to, that's how I like to say yeah. how I run it. And, and I think the, the, the trouble with it is, is to be a little bit successful, you know, and I had to jump on social media. However, yep. I don't do what I'm supposed to do. I do what I like. We post what we like. Um, and I'm okay with the haters. Uh, we had, obviously there was, there was the big, um, Roe v. Wade announcement in the States a month or two ago. Uh, we decided to, for the rest of the month to give half three quarters of our profits to, um, the local, um, or the national, um, pro-choice people. And I lost a hundred some followers, right? I didn't care. Well, that's that's... fine. I didn't, (laughs) I didn't tell anybody. It's just like, Hey man, this is who I am. If you don't like it, that's fine. You don't have to follow me. I'm not telling you you're wrong. I'm just telling you this is what we're going to support. Right. And if you can't get past that, that's that's on you, man. That's not on me. I'm not carrying that burden. That's on you. you it know? is a weight, right? Like, Yeah, because then you can't say what you feel. And I know, trust me, social media, that's where I struggle. I find the people that are not on there all the time usually have more to say. Like, it's like, I got to do my daily post or I got to, you know, then it becomes, right. it becomes fluff, right? It's like... um I don't know, but yeah, yeah. And there's not, it's, it's content. Well, and I no, call it content, man. It's content. Nobody wants to put opinions out because opinions are what gets you in or beliefs, right? That's what gets you into trouble. It's like, well, I don't think like yeah, this great, guy, so I'm not going to follow him. Right. You know? Yeah. Yep. Great yeah. statement, man. And, and, and that's the part where, that's the part where that those business people told me and I understood it and I still understand it is that like, if you intend to be, what we would call American successful, which is just drinking the capitalist Kool-Aid. You have to put a lot of your opinions aside and make money. That is the goal is to make money and increase your business size. And that's not my goal. Right. My goal is to make enough money to be able to fund all of the cool stuff we want to do to feed my partner and me and my dogs yeah. And that, that, that's my form of success. Right. Yeah. But it's, it, it's not, it's not attractive. Let's be real. Right. It's not, it's not attractive. It's not a guy holding up a, you know, a 22 pound fish. It's not, it's not attractive. Right. Yeah. So, uh, in the, all the years that I've, that I've had my business, um, I will say that I've really only had one or two customers that didn't connect with me. Yeah. Um, and it's because we're just a niche, like a niche, a niche thing. Um, I have zero inventory. I have zero patterns. I have zero jigs. I have no measurements. So everything we create is one of one, I, you know, aside yeah. from the custom rod builds. Um, well, that explains it. That explains the our... quote on your, on your, on your Instagram page. Heaven forbid I did look. <laughs> Uniformity, right uniformity creates waste. I'm like, yeah, you're not wrong. <laughs> you know, and it, yeah, and it, and it, and once again, it's it said it. You know, and good on you, man. That's a very, um, it's a very powerful statement of you know 
if you say an opinion that it, that's what's going to, that's what's going to kill you. Right. That nobody wants to talk about opinions. They just want the fluff pieces, but that's right. That's where we differ. Um, in that the reason we don't want to just build to build is because what we're building needs, you know, our opinion is needs to be important to the, the end user as well as paying homage to the products that we're making this out of. Um, you know, the, the timber industry built this area, much like, you know, BC, the timber, the timber industry is, is there. Right. And, and what people forget is that these legacy trees that got cut down a hundred years ago, they're still out there. And what that, what that wood has seen and the energy that's in that wood, Mm. uh, is, is absolutely phenomenal. But, um, I also realized that you need to be the right person to understand that. I really wish, and I hope that more people will understand, um, the, that, that there is, there's energy in this old stuff. I got to say something really, you're going to think this is weird, but for me, what this quote that you had, uniformity creates waste. I started thinking about mass production and I started thinking about, the energy that goes into things that are not mass produced. So, and I, I honestly believe if you surround yourself and your life with things that have meaning behind them, like something is custom made from this, there's a story there. That's good energy. You know what I mean? It's not somebody slaving away in a basement in the middle of nowhere, making no money and there's no integrity in it. So I, I know that sounds weird, but that's, I've always believed that. No, yeah. No, 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 man. You, you and I are, you, you and I see the same and speak the same. Uh, kudos to you, and 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 I agree with that in in every sense of the word. Um, because the 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 reason, some of the reasons we kind of do what we do was a when we were growing up, we didn't have a lot. Um, you know, my folks did the best they could, uh, but we, you know, they, we we were fine we just didn't have a lot. So it was always fix what you had. Right. Mm-hmm. And, um, I noticed as, 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 you know, in my, my era, my generation, if you will, we started to see a lot of that throwaway culture and it kind of bothered me that you couldn't fix anything. And that a lot of times it, it wasn't, it wasn't any good to start with, but it was easy and it was accessible. Right. And if it was yeah. easy and accessible, people bought it. Yeah. And, um, I just got frustrated with it. And, um, and we were big woodsmen. My old man, my old man was worked in the trades growing up. And, um, so it was always one of those things that, um, you know, trees have a really special, um, real special part, uh, in, in my life. And, um, yeah. the fact that I can find all that old stuff, be able to kind of rehab it and put it into landing nets, canoe paddles, whatever. Um, that makes me feel good. Cause then when we sell those end products, we pass on the story of the wood. Um, I mean, I have a 58 by 40 sh- or 58 by 22 shop. Uh, then, you know, and the, the top half is full of wood, bottom quarter is full of wood. We got our wood shop in the front and our rod shop in the back. And, um, I can go in, the, in that in that shop, and I can tell you every piece of wood and where it came from, and the story behind it. Yeah, uh, I actively search for it. We look for it. Um, you know, we're knock on wood. We're doing well enough. We're successful enough that people call us um, if they have something that they just like to 
donate, whether it's deck boards, whether it's old wooden furniture, um, it's all, it's all usable. Right. And that's the trouble people, when you get into mass production, when you get into any kind of uniformity, it can't have blemishes. The grains have to be the same. It needs to be clean cut wood. It needs to be dried. It can't, you, you waste so much of that wood to get those bands and, you know, caveat to the whole thing, you know, I'm not, you know, I don't throw shade on the people that do do that stuff, the different net people. And yeah. I don't, they make great stuff and I'm not throwing shade at them. My, my point was I'll take your scraps. I'll take that scrap and I'll make something out of it and I'll put a lifetime warranty on it. That's and awesome. that was the other part that they told me like, this is a terrible idea. You should never do this. And I want this <laughs> on it. I don't care. Like I'll do it. Like if, if the guy, like I can, you know, like any builder, right? Like you can tell if somebody did something stupid or you can tell if it was a D lamb or if it was, um, you know, if it was a softer wood, whether it was cedar, redwood or yeah. something like that, where the grain split, I, I you just got to be honest. And, and like I said, um, like I said, at the beginning of this kind of where I went to the wormhole, I ran down, <laughs> I've only had maybe one or two people that I wasn't able to connect with, but to be quite honest, like every customer we've ever had has thoroughly enjoyed our process and how we do it. Um, you know, most of our pieces are eight weeks out, uh, eight to 12 weeks out. Um, I don't rush. Uh, I usually tell people like, I can't really give you a timeline. You know, I always tell people like it's going to be eight weeks. Um, but I'm not going to force myself to do it. Um, is that, I need is that from them? Is that because you want to be inspired when you do it and you don't want to feel like you have to, or what's the reasoning behind that? Just curious. Um, it's, it's a little bit of that. The, some of the reason I don't want to force it is because I don't feel like I'm doing anybody justice at that point. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah fair. Um, and, and the funny part is too, uh, you know, and it's classic, you know, <laughs> classic my brain, I'm going to squirrel around here, but I'll get back. So it's just, it's, it's, uh, it's, I don't want to, I don't want to fake it because I feel like if I do, I'm not doing justice to that person. I'm also not doing justice that to the wood i'm cutting up right like if i was thoughtful enough to go save this uh this dock this you know from some from some cabin and then i just got to go hammer this out so i'm going to go out there and just cut pieces and glue them together sand them hang a net and say here's your net where's where's my energy and investment into it right and that's where that's where i i i draw a line from myself to all these other builders but, and once again, not huck and shade, but that's also why I don't have a multi-million dollar business. Um, yeah. You know, we probably do <laughs> 40 pieces, you know, we probably do like 40, you know, 40 to 60 pieces a year, give or yeah. take. Yeah. Right um, maybe more, maybe less. Right. But yeah. each one of these pieces is very thought out. Um, 90% of my 90% of our customers will bring me something uh, to put into the piece that, that means something to them. Those yeah. are the people I want to, those cool. are the people I want my customers, right? Yeah. Um, it's, you know, I've, we've gotten, we've done feathers, uh, we've done um, leaves, we've done um, 
we've even done uh, inlays of uh, notes from loved ones. Um, and then we do that when we team it with our, so we can inlay whatever you want, whether it's a wood product or not, we can inlay it we can lay fiberglass or we can lay epoxy over it. So it'll stay. Uh, and then I go one further and we, I do traditional, uh, fire needle, which is just rod iron and, and torch. And I'll do wood burning with just a rod iron and torch, um, huh. of whatever design. And yeah. it's just to pay, you know, and, it's just the way I, I like to do things, you know, it's just people have lasers and people have uh, CNC machines and people are buying uh, kiln dried lumber and that's great, you know, but I just feel like at a certain point you got a big pile of sawdust at the end and you got a whole bunch of scrap that you throw away. <laughs> and that's just not our jam, man. Yeah. I, I can't, I can't stand that. We, I got more five gallon, no shit, man. I got more five gallon pails full of cutoffs than you know what to do with and why because we'll laminate stuff together. Like, oh, if it needs to be a little bit wider, we'll lam like, you know, the traditional bell style grip, right? So the bottom of those nets always have like a little flare or a yep. bell. Is that like, oh, it's perfect, man. Like, I got more bell pieces than I can sell nets. Uh, <laughs> but I'm going to use them. I ain't going to burn them. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Uh, well, yeah. l- listen, man, we're going to I'm we're going to talk all about what you're making. Uh, dig deep in your story. I just, I got a few kind of uh, lighter questions to get to know your day to day. You ready for that? Yeah, man. Okay, so you might not have a lot of tunes on the way to the water. I don't know, but in your truck on the way there, what's playing in the stereo? Um, great. I, I, I've been thinking about it, man, because like. Music has played a huge part in me. Uh, however, a lot of times I don't have I don't have the radio on. Uh, I love music and I um, I love the rhythm, uh, and I have a very diverse amount of music. So hmm. I usually don't have the radio on, but I will say like if I do, um, I mean it's it's quite literally. Uh, uh, you know, Muddy Waters, uh, Otis Lightning, um, okay. you know, some of the old blues guys, um, to, um, uh, and, and I get down on new hip hop, you know, two chains and Migos and the OGs, uh, ice cube and Snoop and Dre and all them guys. Right. Like yeah. I just, anything that's got a good beat, um, uh, I can't get enough of classic seventies rock, uh, psychedelic seventies rock. Like, you can't, I can't, you know, Boston Eagles, sure. uh, the Stones, uh, the band, you know, uh, the, uh, the band is one of my favorites. Skinner back in the day. Like yeah. I, if I have it on, it's a beat thing. Right. So I have all these stupid Spotify things that are like mixed for Jeff. Yeah. And it's so like, they don't even like half the time if somebody's in the car or like we're jamming out at home, you know, sitting on the deck, having a beer, we'll, like put on some tunes <laughs> and you look at these playlists and, half the time if somebody's over they go what in the hell are you listening to like what station is it <laughs> it's like hey man if that thing's got a beat like i'm down brother i'm down i love that about doing playlists though it's like you're your own music director at a radio station or something and sometimes you can make very unlikely music work you know like it doesn't have to connect. isn't it so true man yeah i i find that all the time. yeah like i i yeah man i i find myself that if it's a, if it's a twang, you know, if it's a, you know, cause I, I play mandolin and, um, you know, if it's a, if it's got a good rhythm, 
if it's got a good sound, like I don't care what genre it is, man. I am yeah. down to listen to it. Yeah. Love it. Okay. So you're now on your favorite secluded brookie trib, let's call it. And I know you like yeah. throwing meat. What's one go-to streamer pattern that you cannot live without for brook trout? Um, so, you know, like every guest that comes on, they're like, oh, I invented some bullshit, man. I didn't invent nothing. It's just a variation of everybody else's shit. Uh, but quite frankly, it's, it's like a combination of, a like, a first off, like anything rabbit strip, like you put a rabbit strip on a hook, man. It's, it's my jam all day. Put a cone head or a bead head on it. Um, but I tie some, I tie some of my own patterns that are, they're an articulated streamer that total length ends up being about three and a half inches. Uh, and it's a combination of like a Dalai Lama and like a, a white, white death. Um, okay. so it's like, a so it's basically just like a, a, a shank, a shank head with like either a bead head or, a uh, or a cone. And then it's usually like a rabbit strip and then piece of braid with a single trailer hook. Hmm. And then, uh, and that, that rabbit strip will be like a magnum strip. And then on that hook shank that doesn't have a hook on it, I clip the hook off the front one. And then that all wind, you know, maybe a little bit of flash boo, a little bit of tinsel, something to give it a little shine on the bottom. And then right behind the head will be a big gob of uh, crosscut rabbit hair. Hmm. Um, and it makes it, it makes it like, look like a, it's very thin. Like it looks really big, but when you get it wet, um, it's just, it's very thin. Um, uh, but it has just this, when you buy the premium rabbit fur, it just, it adds, it, it has such a very silky smooth movement in the water. Um, and then I can mend with it, you know, so I'll make them in the weighted pattern and the non-weighted pattern, depending on what we're fishing, but. So if, it's my go-to, man. Like, honest to God, that I, I will say that that is quite literally one of about four thin mints. Uh, I got, I'm, I'm a big thin mint guy. Yep. Um, what, those what, are those are kind of it. How important is the color of the fly in that? Because I imagine it's fairly dark waters from what I'm seeing, kind of tannic, kind of stained water. So what oh, yeah, color? Oh, yeah, water, man. Yeah. Does it have to be bright? So. Yeah, my opinion, you know, and once again, everybody's got their own, uh, everybody's got their own stuff. But from from my experience, white with an olive head, um, three three quarters to you know three quarters to two thirds of that body is just one big white rabbit strip, a little bit of silver, a little bit of flash blue coming back towards that tail, and the head is that olive. And a lot of times, I'll take the olive out and just go straight white. Um, but I will say, like. I've, I've goofed around with so many different colors over the years that, uh, you know, they catch the other colors catch fish, but I will say by far hookup percentage, like it is either white or white and olive. And in that, the, you know, I'm a big fan of tungsten. Uh, it's just a cleaner, it's a cleaner steel. You know, I don't like hucking lead in our streams, but, yeah. um, once again, I'm not knocking guys that do, but, uh, usually for me, man, white and olive i whether it's whether i go you know whether i go over towards the wisconsin side because there's a bunch of gin clear water over there um and i just that white and olive combo is yeah it's just been killer for me over the years man Love it. still had uh, lake run browns to uh resident browns to uh, coastal brookies to they just can't get enough of it i'm a big fan of it 
Where do you go to talk fly fishing when you're not on the water? So like some people say social media, some people like there's a coffee shop, a fly shop, there's a pub locally. Um, where do you get your fix when you're not on the river? Um, yeah, man, full disclosure, like heavy introvert. So I don't, this is it brother. Like no bullshit, man. Like if somebody calls me, that's a buddy of mine, I'll talk to him and we can, we'll talk for like two hours. Uh, but I, I'm a fly shop junkie. I love to go in, buy the hats, talk to the guys. Um, you know, I support our two local fly shops here, uh, you know, spear fly angler and great lakes fly shop. Okay. Uh, but I, I don't want to talk to them guys. And it's just, it, it, and it sounds so rude, man. It sounds so freaking rude, but shit, it, it's just who I am. Right. Like yeah. I can't get past this. Like I walk in there and to be quite frank, nine out of them, 10 people are drinking the Kool-Aid. I don't want to, I, I don't drink the Kool-Aid. I don't want to, I don't, you know, these guys, if I, I get on a, I get on my soapbox. Okay. My partner's like, you better not take that soapbox out. And I said, well, some bitch is coming out. But it, it, the, the trouble I have with it, right, is that, and maybe you have this out in BC, right? There's a way to fish in the area because that's what the ecology allows you to fish, right? These are alder choked stuff. It's, they're inherently free stone. So you have to be very cautious when in the summertime, when the water gets warm, right? You can, you know, the best time to fish them is in the spring or the fall. Just be, if you're wanting to do something, you want to protect the species and you want to protect these, these small stream habitats, you're not going to go in there and huck dry flies because you can't sling a fly. So when they come in and like, Oh, I'm going to go up to so-and-so and using, you know, I'm, I'm throwing Adams and you know, I got, uh, you know, we're going to take big hopper for what? Like, what are you going to do that for? Cause that's what, that's what the fly shop guys told you to do. You can't, you can't cast in there, man. So like, that's the stuff that drives me absolutely bonkers. Right. If you want to learn how to like, that's why I can't stand fly shops. But then again, keep in mind, like my point of reference is Northern Minnesota. So when we, when we go out to Montana and Denver, cause we go out there, uh, well, pre COVID we used to go out there quite a bit. And, um, it's fun talking to those guys. Cause it, you know, I'm a, my knuckles drag on the ground for Christ's sake. I'm an ape. So like <laughs> it, it, talking to guys, hucking dry flies and shit, I could, I can listen to people talk about it, but yeah. my fix to be honest, man, is like, though, to be quite honest, it's the once it's probably the once a month. Once, you know, maybe twice a month, I can talk to somebody new like yourself, um, or an old friend, um, or somebody that knows somebody, uh, that's like-minded that you can tell the genuine person, man. And then that really just holds me over till I find that next person. Yeah. Cause it kind of rolls back to what we talked about earlier. A lot of that stuff is fluffy content. Like, I don't want to go to a fly shop, talk about fluffy content cause it's garbage, right? Everybody hooked the monster. Oh, that's great. Yeah. I hooked six today, but. (laughs) <laughs> you know i don't know man it's crazy uh, i'm I an asshole it. but that's why it. they call me the anti-fly fisherman don't, i guess don't so. change i love it um okay so fill in the blank for me when you're not on the water what are you normally doing Ooh. um yeah man i would say like if if fishing's out of the realm um i'm a huge um like artifact person so I'm lucky enough to live in an area that um, has tens of thousands of years of heritage of the indigenous communities. And I'm even luckier that the homestead that I bought from my folks um, sits on some property that um, there was an active um, 
trail and and some active and some activity dating back to the woodland era so hmm. when i'm not doing that um i'm looking for copper um and then i'm looking for stone tools and um you know it, it's it's amazing what we're finding um and you know the nice part is is we can catalog it we can we can point it and i can put it back if i have to um or hmm. to pay homage or i can just you know keep it in my home and um and then you know when i when i die we'll just huck them in the field again let somebody else you know bring them back to where they so that's my that's my jam like hmm. the people that came before us who you know yeah. that 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 stuff to me is phenomenal so that that's kind of my that's, that's cool. my thing right on this one's a kind of a heavy one but what's what why do you spend all this time on the water do you think like what does it bring into your world what does fly fishing do for you jeff um yeah well take a sip of beer man um so <laughs> I, I just <laughs> did i just did i was gonna say full disclosure i'm, I'm drinking a beer yeah me too um so uh i took a hiatus from fly fishing for quite a while for probably 10 probably like eight years i would say eight or ten years i didn't even pick a fly rod and it what drove me to that was i just got to a point where I just couldn't deal with the end. I couldn't deal with the people and I couldn't deal with the fake and I couldn't deal like the people we were guiding. Um, they didn't have any respect for the ecology. Um, and it, it bothered me to a point where I just, I couldn't do it anymore. I said, I'm done. I'm done. I'll just spin fish and catch some fish to eat. And that's it. Like I'm done. I don't, I'm done. And, um, and then I kind of realized that there was a piece, you know, I was still on the water, but I wasn't on our, on the rivers that much, you know? Um, and then I got to a point where I could tell like something was missing. And, uh, so for me, it's, uh, I had to get back. I needed to get back out there. And I realized that, uh, it does bring me a lot of sanity. Mm. Um, and there's a lot of people that say that and, you know, everybody's got their own story in their own way. But, um, I mean, quite frankly, it, it, oh, it's, it's the only thing that brings me therapy. Um, there's an interesting term called, um, I just, I can't remember it. Somebody, a professor, I think from, um, the UK, but it's called, uh, cosmic insignificance therapy. (laughs) And that's what I call it right like yeah i know the fact is right like the fact is is everybody's too focused on like the that remote chunk that nobody can get to or those fish haven't seen these people or these you know like Hmm. you lose the fact that like when you leave there like that little piece of riffle water is going to make that same noise at two o'clock in the morning when you're deep in your own thoughts, laying in the bed, like that little, that, that little riffle is going to make that same noise. Right. And that's the thing to me that helps me just remove myself from this world. Uh, like it truthfully doesn't matter. Like nothing stops, nothing stops, nothing pauses. Like that river will still flow. Mm. And that, 
that lapping, that sound, like it's mm. there, whether you're there, whether I'm here, or I'm <laughs> dead and gone, it don't matter, right? It's there. Yeah. And that, that to me gives me, uh, puts me kind of back in a place that's, that, you know, it makes me a healthier person, both mentally and physically. Yeah. That's, I can't verbalize it any better than that. I love it. Makes, uh, that, that makes a lot of sense. So, Wild, Vikings, Twins, are you a sports guy? If you are, who are you pulling for? Um, I, I honestly am not a, you know, like, I, I, I played, you know, I like, I like pretty much all sports. I don't really, I don't get into it. It's kind of like a time filler. Uh, growing up, like, my old man and, and his old man were diehard Vikings fans, you know. I mean, it's mm-hmm. the Midwest, right? So you got to be a diehard Vikings fan. But for me, it's kind of just like a – it's like a little bit of a nostalgia thing. You know, like I'll turn it on on a Saturday Sunday afternoon or something. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't I don't really pull for anybody. But what I will say is I, I, I do like college football. I don't I, – I follow it a little bit, but not – I don't consider myself a fan. Um, but I freaking hate Alabama. I don't, I just, I hate Alabama. I, I can't stand Alabama. I can't stand the <laughs> Alabama football team. I just, I don't root for anybody. I root for them to lose, but it's a terrible thing to say, but Hey, everybody's got to have their nemesis. It amazes me how college ball is so, it's so passionate. Isn't it though, man? Like why, like uh, how, how does this, how does a fat white guy from Minnesota hate Alabama? We, we don't Let's have that here. Like, like how the hell does that happen? We don't have the, the college sports thing is not the same in Canada not even close like yeah I understood just, yeah and well your team is your team and whether you went to that school back in the day you still cheer for them your kids cheer for them it's just like it boggles my mind actually it's quite I find it fascinating <laughs> all right man I mean so, we're big hockey fans but uh we're, we got the local D1 here the yeah Bulldogs we oh. got season tickets for those guys but. nice We've got on the line tonight Jeff Vukalic out of Duluth, uh, outside of northern Minnesota, spends a lot of time on the water. Chasing Brook Trout, he's got damn goods and gear. Uh, before we jump in a little bit on your gear, I just tell me about the film you put together because it's very, it's a very moving piece. I I would say it's titled Bigotry to Brook Trout. Tell us about how you came to, you know, make that film. Wh- whose idea was it? Just walk us through that journey a little bit, because uh, I'm I'm curious. Yeah, so it's it's um, it's so interesting, man. Like it, once again, like that that whole thing kind of it wasn't supposed to happen that way. That was not the intention. Um, but yet you know, it just goes back to good people and being open and transparent just creates great content and great opportunity. So, um, Blue Force Films, David Cowden, uh, who's a very good friend of mine. Um, he wanted to do, uh, a three, kind of like a three, uh, three episode or, um, three, three film release, uh, about, um, art and functional art and what that meant and how that how people got into it so it was um myself and a painter and uh, a fly tire here locally in Duluth and um 
so we all got together and we were going to go on like a 5d float and um prior to the actual filming um he came up to the house and i hadn't really met him before he had done a couple little local stuff and um and uh we both like brook trout and um so we got to talking and so anyways that that's what started the art he knew my business and so he came up to the house and um we sat in the garage and he got all we got all mic'd up and um we just started talking about art and this and that and this and that and this and that and um we're just about to wrap the interview up really and then he kind of yeah, some other question, you know, I basically, yeah, some about my past, and I, I just said, yeah, I don't talk about it a lot, um, like it, you know, like it was really kind of secretive, you know, not secretive, but, you know, I said I was, I wasn't, I was, wasn't good, um, you know, like, I had, I was a two-sided person, like I faked it for some people, and then, you know, my true colors came out later, and um, so we got into the whole um, running guns and. Um, just the ugly crowds that I was in and he just said can I keep recording and I said yeah I don't care um so we sat for about another three hours I think it was so we sat in our garage for like sat in my shop for like oh shit I don't know it was probably like five six hours and um drank a few beers and um like I said I'm I'm pretty open about it certain pieces I got to be mindful that you know <laughs> the statue of limitations but um <laughs> yeah. anyways uh so long story short we left that night i didn't think anything of it and we did this nice long float um and um got back and he texts me like a month later and he says hey i think i'm gonna take this in a different direction do you mind and i said i don't care like i'm good with whatever and um so i didn't know where he was going with it um and then he just texted me like a couple weeks later, months later, said like, Hey, I've got it just about final. I want your, you know, your approval and whatever, and sent it to us. And I, I was like, Oh shit. Like we're getting it now guys. <laughs> uh, so we watched it, uh, sitting on the, sitting on the couch, me and Katie. And, uh, I was like, yeah, this is good. You know, and, I, you know, it's kind of dumb. It's everybody's story, right? Like, it's not a big deal to me um, because it's my story, right? Like, your story's not that big a deal to you. Right. So I just was like, well, okay, where are you intending to put this? He says, well, I'm going to, I'd like to try for IF4. And I said, well, go ahead. I don't care. Bada bing, bada boom. Uh, it, there it goes, right? And um, they took it and, you know, it, we, we were close to winning the film of the year. We lost, we, we were second, I think. Uh, we lost out to the brown trout video. Um, and, uh, and then after that, like I had gotten a bunch of calls and I did they some people flew me out to Pennsylvania. I did some, I, they did a screening out there and a Q and a, and I ended up making some great friends out there. Um, some great people out that way. Hmm. So, and it's kind of, I don't know, you know, it's one of those things I always, I downplay it, you know, but yeah. like everybody's got crazy shit in their past, man. And, uh, and I, I'm one of them, right. I'm sure you're one of them, but it's different that, you know, you had alluded to it earlier. I know who I am. I don't give a shit if you don't like me. 
Hmm. Like, it doesn't bother me if you don't like me. That's fine, because I don't like a lot of people, and a lot of people don't like a lot of other people. So if 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 I can just get people to be more honest and transparent and not hate people, man, hmm. like, that's where we're at. Like, I can dislike a whole shitload of people, let's be real. But uh, to hate them guys, whole other topic, right? Like, and that's the thing where I don't think people quite realize that, the definition between, like, disliking and hating something like yeah like hatred is just unabated right and i think i think that's maybe where some of that you know some some of that came through in in the film um Mm. but yeah it's uh it it was so the the to get back to it so it quite honestly happened by surprise um yet it was very organic like nothing was pushed he didn't have questions he didn't bait me into talking about he knew nothing about it um he just happened to ask the right question and i answered it because i don't tend to dodge questions and next thing you know it's three and a half hours later and we got an if4 film (laughs) um so yeah man it, it was good um and like i said it 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 opened me up to talking to a few people but it also opened my eyes to yet again like how fake it is out there and that's where like it just concretes everything i do like i can't get down with fake individuals man like like you i can tell that you're a genuine person you're asking genuine questions right and i feel like i'm a over my spans of criminal activity and whatnot like i'm a very good judge of character and i can tell when somebody isn't genuine Huh. And that's an, that's an art. People that aren't genuine. That's an art. I don't think there's a lot of people that can't do that. Yeah, and the and and, and the pr- trouble is right. Like those are the people that end up drinking the Kool Aid, and they <laughs> air quotes support the community. Like you're helping the community. You're helping the fly fishing community. Are you? Are we really helping the fly fishing community? Like there's a guy here that just published a book with GPS points to all these small tributaries. <laughs> like, are we helping the community? That's good. Right. That's like the biggest question point. I ask everybody is, yeah. is like, if you are a true environmentalist and you care about the, the, the streams, the fish, the ecology, you know what the best thing for you to do is not fucking go there. <laughs> right. Like, I hate to say it. I absolutely hate to say it, man, but don't go there. Because a big ape like me stomping around, messing up the river bottom, messing just that doesn't do anything positive for that ecology. Nothing. It does nothing. Right. So like that, it's such a fine line because we want to do it because we want to catch the fish or we want to, we just want to interact with nature. We just got to be out there. And just knowing, uh, knowing those places are there. The only way you know is well, if you either see it through film or you go there, yeah. and and once you go there, you, I don't know. Like to me, that's what makes me want to protect something because you've been there, and it's like, wow, it was pretty cool. Like you said, yeah. that river is still flowing, still making the same no- sound, whether you're there or not. You're right. I mean, less right. less intervention, less people in a lot of these wild places. Obviously, the habitat's better off, but I also feel you know, the flip side of that coin is if nobody gives a crap and nobody goes, no one's going to protect it. So I, I get what you're, you're saying. You're 110% right, man. No, no, no. And, and, the, and it's the Yellowstone, big grizzly bear conversation, right? Right. Like it's, it's the, it's the point of 
you you brought these species up from 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 almost nothing and then now we've gotten to a point where we need to manage the resource and so you're going to go out and have a harvestable season and now people are mad because we're going to shoot bear this was a few years ago and i'm probably misquoting it but but that it's the same premise right like yeah. what is the what is right and what is wrong like you have to bring the community in for the protect it and then inevitably i'll stand on the third side of the line i don't know why there's three lot three sides of the line but i'm gonna say there's three sides of the line is <laughs> just like how about we're not a bunch of assholes how about that right how about we just don't go out and rape and pillage every possible natural resource how about that right and then you have the fourth side of the line that says well that's just not an option in today's society and i get it i get it but how about we change the conversation, right? How about we don't have to go tromp on things to make to save them? How about we talk about the fact that this is a very, very special piece of ecology that we should just protect? Hmm. Look like we just need to protect it. That's all. And But the only way that the society nowadays knows how to do that is to walk around it. They can't appreciate it for what it is. Right. And that's where that's what like to go back to what you're saying, like, what does the river give me? What does the lakes give me? Right. Mm-hmm. Gives me that appreciation. Like, I don't have to be there to know that it's there and that it's important. Yeah. Right. And if we can change that conversation, then you're getting somewhere. Keeping in mind, you know, the fat guy sipping in beer in northern Minnesota, like that's a hard <laughs> conversation to start. <laughs> yeah, but I have talked to people though that have said that very thing, you know, like, hey, this certain stretch of river in Alaska, I've never been there. I don't necessarily have an affinity for it, but I want just knowing that it's there and it's untouched yeah. essentially. And one day maybe I'll go there. I, I think there's, yeah. it's kind of a cool thought, right? Like knowing what's, what's the worst is when you know it's not there. And I'm, I'm talking to a lot of steelhead guys lately on the West coast. and It's not there. You know what I mean? It's like, uh, Oh my gosh. Yeah. You know, and, and let's be real, uh, you know, and that, that's where I can be honest and say, I'm not saying that my, you know, that anything I say is right. But if you can, if you can back up just, you know, five steps and realize that there is that many sides to that one question instead of do you protect it or you don't yeah Yeah. like it allows you to just be more thought-provoking and it allows you to just dig deeper Mm -hmm. and try to figure out like you know no i I love it what can we do it's it's having a conversation too it's like just because we don't see eye to eye on something doesn't mean we can't have a conversation right right 110% 110% man goes back to the same thing. Like you can dislike stuff, which, but hate is a whole other thing. Like, you know, yeah. like I still go to fly shops. I like fly shops. I just don't go there to talk to shit. Cause I just don't like the shit. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> but you like the stuff they sell. Yeah. Oh yeah, exactly. Man. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Right on. So tell me about, about your nets and, and your paddles. Um, I, I know you're making all these one at a time on a project by project basis but if somebody wants to check them out um first off where where do we go to kind of take a look at your scope of work and and if we wanted to get in line in the queue how do we do that yeah so we've got the website uh we damngoodsandgear.com um that's that's going to be um best way to just kind of see what we got see the mindset behind it um and then obviously the the socials have some pictures um, and then I just, I always, you know, we say it right in our website, uh, or right on our, uh, about 
or contact us page. I mean, but um, like if people want to know, just I love that's the stuff I love to have conversations with. Um, like, and those are the conversations that maybe alluded to your last question, right? Like, um, I need to talk to you um, because I, I want to know what you're doing. Uh, I don't want to build you, uh, you know, a, a 26 inch two handed net um, if you're going to be walking through the brush. Uh, you know, catching 18 inch resident trout. You don't need that big in that, right? Like, right. how do you fish? What do you fish? How do you fish them? How long a rod do you have? You know, are you bushwhacking? Are you on a trail? Are you a person that's, uh, you know, my biggest thing is I always ask from the rod builder side uh, that I am to the, to the nets is what type of fly rod do you fish? Not what brand. Are you a glass guy or are you a graphite guy? Because that tells me so much about the person. Um, cause if you're a graphite guy, you probably get a little bit rammy. And the reason I say that is because you gotta be able, you just gotta be, have a faster cast. Like it's just inherently quicker than glass. Whereas if you're a glass guy, you're probably going to take your time. So like usually, and it's not a hundred percent, this is just what I've found over my years. But usually if I have guys that are glass guys or cane guys, uh we can make something with really soft woods we can make like full handled reds hmm. full handled cedars or a combination um and the reason that i tend to push people towards that stuff is um it's inherent it, it, it it's, it's inherent that it they, you get grain fracture um so you need to be mindful that's all like hmm. you spent the time and energy to call me we crafted this net to your specific, like you just, you don't, Oh crap, there's a fish and walk that baby off onto the shore. No, no, no. <laughs> like you, you got to take your time. You got to, you got to know where it is. Um, and then we back it all up, you know, with our lifetime warranty, but, um, hmm. I need to talk to those people. Uh, I want to know about you. I want to know about how you fish, what you fish, what you fish for, how many times do you fish? Um, cause it really helps me make you a product that, is made for you uh i can't tell you the amount of times i call people and say or or i should say people call me and either they have something they have a net or a, or, or a paddle or a rod that they already have and they're like yeah we i like it but i like it but <laughs> okay what don't you like about it and why don't you like it why don't you like that well it's not quite this it's not quite that and yeah that's because it's just it's a cookie cutter it's a uniform like it's a jigged uniformed piece. Uh, right. That's what they're meant. You know, that's what they do. Uh, so I strive to have to remove the butt. Like um, we can change hoop size, um, shape. And, and once again, like all of our stuff, I have no jigs. Uh, so I do what's called freeform bending. Um, so all of our hoops, um, I cut fairly thin uh, and then laminate together and dry bend them. Hmm. Um, so I'll put them all together and then I, I dry bend them and I get them in kind of into a, a rough form, if you will. I just hold them there and then, um, let them, I put a clamp on it on the tail end just to allow that grain to relax. And then, um, hmm. depending on what the customer size wants, we'll adjust the hoop size to the net size. And, um, and then we'll freeform glue it. So we'll take all them strips out independently, put a bunch of glue on them, wrap them just like that, 
put spring clamps on them and then squeeze clamps on them. And so everything is a little different. It's a little, sometimes they're, you know, inherently our stuff is, is not symmetrical, but I always, I'd model it off of nature. Like nature isn't symmetrical. Like if you're Mm -hmm. a a person that, that wants, that likes artifact hunting, like I do, when you're looking for rocks, you're always looking for 90 degree corners, right? Because nature has a hard time with 90 degree corners. So my thoughts always been like, if you're paying homage to the wood, pay homage to where it grew, right? So pay homage to nature and mm-hmm. by not forcing the wood to do what it does. So I don't steam anything. Um, it all, it all is free form bent. And then, um, so we make the hoop, uh, and then glue the hoop together and then the hoop to handle and then, um, final shave. Can I ask you, we invite the customer s- to go ahead. I got to ask you a silly question. And this is something that I've kind of been dealing with lately. And it's probably the last thing you're thinking about talking about the wood and, you know, the work that goes into it, but the actual net, do you find yeah. that people have certain, like, do they want mesh? Do they want rubber? Cause is everybody different? What do you like to put in for mesh in the net? So it, personally, 99% of our stuff comes out with, um, with those clear ghost nets they call them ghost nets or yep. uh, vinyl clear nets or whatever you want. They are a little bit heavier. Um, but the reason I like them is, is if you, in a, uh, you know, caveat that I'm the hippy dippy guy I am, but if you want to get a picture of that fish, you don't have to take it out. You just lift the net up a little bit and that, that clear uh, net net blends into that water. Very, very nice. Yeah. Um, it's soft hook free, but everybody's got their own thing. I, I just push those nets cause I, I like them. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're really good on the fish. Um, they're a flat bottom net, um, or a flat bottom basket. So that fish doesn't have to be curled. Uh, you can just set it right in the water. That fish can lay fairly flat. Um, you know, versus those small hooped long bagged nets. Yeah. Um, you know, that that's just me. Right. And once again, not throwing shade, everybody's got their personal preference. Um, but that's, that's our kind of go-to. We have done, um, some mesh before. Um, I, I don't like it myself, but, uh, just because I don't like, I don't like the way that fish can get wrapped up into it. Yeah. Um, and your hook gets stuck. So that's in why I choose. Yeah, exactly. So that's why I choose to go, uh, with, uh, with those vinyl ones. And, and honestly, durability wise, they, they last, hmm. they last pretty, pretty well. And I've got a way to repair some of the tears also. Um, so if that, if it does tear, uh, you know, our lifetime warranty says if it tears, you just buy it, you know, cost you as a new bag, we'll put the new bag on or I can just fix it um, and put a, put a patch. in the, in the so. Good stuff. Hey, um, being, being the artist that you are, I want you to paint us yeah. a, a picture, your, your dream day. So, um, I assume maybe you're on your own, but maybe not. Like, who are you fishing with? Where, and, you know, don't give away secrets, but what, what type of water are you fishing? Um, species you're chasing, flies you're throwing. Just paint us a little picture of your, your perfect day. Yeah. Um, well, not seeing a soul is crucial. Um, so I would say wherever I am, I'm, I've always been a, afternoon evening guy um 
I did early mornings for a long time and I just prefer to roll out of bed at six and drink some coffee and then get in the, get in the rig and, and head wherever I'm heading. But so I'd say like afternoon, evening. Um, and then if it can be that mad, you know, the magic hour is always been my jam. So sun's on the horizon. Bugs are just starting to lift. Um, just right above a riffle. I mean, I'm just going to just wing a dirty streamer through there a hundred times. And, uh, once I catch one fish, I'll probably drink my beer. You got, are you one of those guys that will not have that beer until you catch a fish? No, it's so, you know, full disclosure, you know, five, nine, two thirty-five. I didn't get this frame by not drinking a lot of beer, but, uh, <laughs> I don't, I'm not a big, drink a beer on the river kind of guy. Yeah. And it's not because I don't like the way it feels. It's not because I got to concentrate on what I'm doing. Like half the time I trip and fall in the water anyway. So it ain't like I'm a goddamn ballerina out there. <laughs> uh, but what, I just, I don't think about it. Like it's not that I'm intensely focused on the fish or intent. I'm just, I, yeah. I'm just not thinking of having a beer, Yeah, but I'll tell you, like today, uh, you know, by the time I made my seven mile round and walked all the way out, oh yeah, I sucked down three of them in a hamburger in a heartbeat, man. Uh, <laughs> like the second I'm done, poof, yeah, let's just sit down and, and, and have a few. I, I just, I've never been one of those guys. I don't know. I've never been a sipper. I'm more of a glugger, if you will. <laughs> uh, big mouth, you know, so holds a lot of beer. So I'm not really a sipping kind of guy. A glugger. Got it. Okay. A glugger. Yeah, just a, a heavy glugger. And, you know, there's some guys will inherently bring a couple beers on the thing, you know. And to be quite honest, I find that I end up spilling them or forgetting about them. Yeah. Um, yeah, you're But fo- it, it's focused. the curse of me, though. I, it, it's the curse of me. Like, I won't, I won't eat. And it's not because I'm not hungry. Once again, it's not because I am laser focused on anything. It's just, it like I like when you asked earlier, what does it do for me? It allows me to just disappear, mm-hmm. and my brain just shuts off. So right. I don't drink any water. I don't. It sounds dumb, but I don't drink any water. I don't eat. I don't. I just do nothing except walk around and muddle around a river for seven hours. And then when I get to the get out, wherever I'm getting out, I'm like, God damn it, I am thirsty. <laughs> so then I drink about 40 ounces of water, eat every power bar that I had in my bag that I forgot to eat. There you go, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. Uh, okay, I love it. You don't uh, you don't BS too much. I like it. Um, no, uh-uh, not at all. <laughs> is there? Oh boy, this could go a lot of ways. Get ready. Is there, is there something when it comes to fly fishing? And I think you've kind of alluded to it, but, um, is there anything that kind of irks you about our pastime and that you think we could do this a little better or why are we doing this? Yeah. yeah, So it's interesting, man. Like, so I'm, I tend to be loud and vocal and yet in this, in the same light, I can, I can step back and be well-spoken and professional and, and, and what have you. But I was asked this, almost this exact question when I, when I was out in Pennsylvania and they had just, uh, we just got done screening the film in spring of 2020 before COVID hit. And 
I said, to, I said, uh, and it was a lady that asked it. And, and I said, to be honest with you, I said, first off, we have to stop faking everything because all you're doing is creating a stigma for everybody else, for everybody that wants to get into this, that they need to know how to double haul and they need to know how to huck flies a hundred feet. And the only, and you got to have the bro moments with the bro, whatever, and the bro, whatever. <laughs> and it's, it is detrimental to the people that are coming up in the industry and it, and not in the industry, but who are trying to just get into it because no matter if, no matter what you're looking at, man, and I, I will back up. There's good people out there, yourself included. And, and there's people that are trying to go the genuine route, but the trouble is like we talked about the genuine route doesn't get likes. The genuine route doesn't have a hundred thousand followers. The hundred thousand followers are the hero cast. They're the people that uh, take the, you know, fifteen different pictures with that fish, and that fish basically is going to be is dead. Let's be real. The hooking mortality on, on some of these is terrible uh, because they're they're holding it seventeen different ways to get the right light and to get the right this and to get the right that. And then to be quite honest, the other thing that drives me absolutely batshit crazy is is if you're a guide, get the hell out of the picture. I can't stand that. It drives me nuts. Why does the guide have to hold the fish that the client caught? If there is the epitome of what's wrong with the industry, right? Is because you're trying to put your face out there. No, no, I, I, I hate that. It drives me nuts. Why do we even, you know, and, and it, 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 there's two sides to every story, right? And, and I'm not, once again, understanding that people pay good money to go catch these fish, right? I get that. They want a picture with that fish, but how about we leave the fish in the water, right? Or how about we take a picture of the fish in the net, right? But the culture has given us this. The only way to be validated is to be holding a fish out of the water in a multitude of different stupid poses, whether it's the stupid shotgun one or the rod over the back of your head or whatever, right? If you want to pay homage to the fish and you want to do something for the industry, get the hook out, take a picture of the fish in the net, or how about this? Just don't take a goddamn picture, right? Like the one thing that drives me nuts is the places that these fish live are some of the most beautiful places on earth. And all we're looking at is the 13 to 38 inches of a fish. How about you let the fish be? And how about you just enjoy where the hell you're at? Right? <laughs> like if our, our social media pages, there's fish pictures. I'm not going to lie. There are fish pictures, but there are very few fish pictures compared to all of the other shit that we do. Because the point is, if you pay homage to the place and you protect the place, or you just respect the place, the, the place will give you what it has, right? So like if the, the, the trouble I have with the industry is they don't recognize the place, they want to recognize the fish. And is it going to change? No. Am I pissing up everybody's tree? Probably. But when you really boils down to it, like, like today, this is the best story, man. Like I've been working this piece of river for about 
three or four years now. It's about an hour and a half from my house. It's a kind of a quiet little trout stream. It's a tributary of Lake Superior. It's got some beautiful resident browns in it. Uh, it's a very wild backcountry place. Um, it, it, there's a big swamp through there, a uh, thousand acres. I can't remember how many acres it is, but it's a big acreage of swamp. So that it, compasses have a hard time. GPS has a hard time. Uh, it's quite remote. Anyways, I've been working this for hoppers for the last like three or four years, keeping in mind that I'm a knuckle dragger streamer fisher guy. Uh, today I tagged like a 20 inch, beautiful 20 inch brown, uh, just like classic fly fishing industry take, right? Like cast wasn't all gnarled up, like it wasn't all over my leader. Perfect land, fish come sideways. Oh man, I, and I get it in the net and I'm looking at it and I I told myself like just let it go. And I thought ah, I I just got to get a picture. I I haven't I haven't caught a big one out of here. And I took my phone out and the second I took my phone out, I said just put your phone away. I hit the double click for the camera mm-hmm. and then when I double click for the camera, I dropped my phone in the water. Oh shit. So there you, and then and then I go to grab my phone and I drop the net and the fish swims away. <laughs> That's car- right. That's so, karma, isn't it? Though, that's like uh, that—that's the best, man. That, and, and so yeah. I got home and uh, I, I told I told my partner. I said, "Hey, I finally got a big one out of there." So, anyways, like hmm. the industry is the industry. Uh, it's got its ups and downs. I I don't know if I like it. Like I'm not saying I was ever invited into it, or I'm even in it. Uh, you know, I'll preface <laughs> I think that. you are. Like, I, I, I think you're in it. <laughs> um, but what I've found is the lack of the lack of genuine people is is just kind of it's hard for me. You know, um, if people can be okay with it, and not and I don't mean that in, in any kind of negative connotation, but if people can be okay with that, um, you know, they can go places and they can do things. Um, but I can't. I refuse to. Uh, I don't think I'm doing anybody any good if I do. Yeah, um, well, you're not being like genuine to, to you either, right? I think that's a big part of it. Right. Like, I, I worked in a fly right. shop years ago, and I'm a pretty social guy, and I that I got off on talking to people. Hey, where you been? What's going on? And Like, I, I found that really exhilarating, and I just grew up in that culture, and I just... I love that fly shop culture. I know what you're saying. Like, hey, I'm not an introvert, but I know a lot of people that are, and I, I think there's a lot of people that can relate to exactly what you're saying. It's like, just give me the stream and some peace and quiet. And I'm like that on the water. Like, I, the last thing I want to do is see somebody. But when I go in the fly shop, I love kind of getting the lay of the land and, and uh, yeah. you know, BSing a little bit here and there. But I feel what you're saying, and I, I know you're not you're – not, the only guy that thinks that way there's a lot of people and i think that the more people we have in this space there's room there's a lot of room out there right and uh i just think oh, it's, it's honestly, a refreshing take yeah. i like it yeah i appreciate that and, and and like i said it's it's i'm an introvert but i i get down on top i mean obviously like you know we've been we've been spinning yarn here for like the last hour and a half and like i i I have no problem talking to people. I have no problem want, like if I go into a fly shop, I guess I'll change my answer. Not that I can, but I'm gonna, cause I can. Uh, it, it's not that I don't like talk. 
like I can talk flies with folks, but what I can't stand is, is it goes right back to that genuine thing, right? Like if they're going to ask me where it, I caught it with what? Nope. Yeah, no, we're that's, done here. That's a rookie question because, right? Well, and and that's that's the trouble, right? And in here, in 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 uh, in, in the Arrowhead, it, it's frustrating because you got everybody and their brother that's a steelhead guide, and landlock steel or landlock rainbows. And the trouble I have is we have a major highway that runs right into Thunder Bay. It's US sixty one, and I hate to break it to everybody, and this is a big spoiler alert. Uh, Every river that goes under that major highway has steelhead in it. So, like, what are what are we doing? Like, what are we like? That's 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 what kills me. It's like, so you're you're going to actively guide people off of this major highway that's very easily accessible, keeping in mind that the longest run is like a thousand feet. So there's a ton of fish in a thousand feet. So like, what are, you know, what are we doing here? And that's the part of, for me that is, has soured me. And I'll caveat the whole thing by saying like, that's, it just is a bitter part of me, but some of it is probably because I remember when I was a kid and there was like nobody, like it was yeah. no man's land up yeah. there. Um, but now like some of the, some of the, like, you know, hour and a half, two hours from Duluth, uh, some of those streams on a Wednesday night when it's raining, there's 22 cars there. <laughs> oh no! Thousand feet. Really? Jeez, I thought you were gonna tell. Oh, I thought you were gonna tell me deadly. the opposite. I thought you were gonna say there's no. Oh there. no, man! Hmm. It's deadly. Like, and then this is what kills me. It's just like between the between, and I don't want to blame it on social media, but between social media and this just absolute vomiting of information, we have not done the fish any favor. Like they are pressured more now than they were 20 years ago when we had the, when they started having trouble with the steelhead pop or the yeah. clipped rain, or the unclipped rainbow population out here. Hmm. And that's, that's what kills me about some of it is that like, I've been around here long enough to see how it can hurt fisheries and how the air quotes community hurts a fishery if you keep bringing people to the fishery and the fishery isn't improving, how is that good for the fishery? Mm, yeah. Amen. Right. Like it's a, it's, I'm not, I don't have an answer for it. Yeah. I'm not saying it right, yeah. wrong or indifferent. It's a good question. But the problem is, is I've seen it, right. Yeah. I've seen this happen and it's, it's frustrating because I don't have an answer. I'm not a fish biologist. I mean, I, I claim to be a, you know, in a bar after a few cocktails, but <laughs> you know, I'm not a, <laughs> oh man, I love it. Well, I'm no professional, but Jeff, I love what you're up to. I love your um your honesty and what you're doing and I I wish you the best with your business, damn goods and gear, making those nets, those paddles and uh you know, one-offs, I would say, things that are unique and and have heart and soul and thanks for keep that up and uh thanks for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you, man. It's been a blast. We've been chatting tonight with Jeff Vukalich out of Duluth. Damn goods and gear. Look him up. 
I'd say on Facebook and Instagram, but are, are we? <laughs> hold on, are we going to promote that? Let's promote that. Oh, are, we have are, to. Are, we Sorry, do. We, we do. Have to. What about what yeah. about .com? Are you? Can we just go damngoodsandgear.com? Yep, we're .com. Yep, yep, yep. We're oh. .comers too. Damngoodsandgear.com. Love it. And check out his vid that uh, I know many have seen. Bigotry to brook trout. Very inspirational and uh, some, some good stuff. Thanks again, Jeff. Take care. The Fly Fishing 97 podcast is brought to you by theflycrate.com. Thank you for listening to the Fly Fishing 97 podcast. Your feedback matters. Let us know if there's a person or topic you'd like discussed. Email us at mark at flyfishing97.com. Until next time, tight lines, and we'll see you on the water. Thank you.